o'clock on a Friday. It's a Fiesta Friday here on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. What gave that away? Sorry? What gave that away? That it's Fiesta Friday? Yeah. I don't know. It is muy caliente. Halford and Brough in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in hour two of the program. Uh, hour two is brought to you by Primetime Craft Beer. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste. Primetime is full flavor without compromise. You can get some at a liquor store near you, or you can visit the brewery to see how it's made. Jason, why don't you tell everybody about Kintech? We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Canada's favorite orthotic provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sorfi, what are you waiting for? Kintech. Uh, let's go now to the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. The first call, the only call, this call this morning goes to AJ from AJ's Pizza, who Andy has not called yet, so we'll wait on that. Andy was distracted by uh, Hot Cross Buns <laughs> and Fiesta Music. Ah, yes. Hot Cross Buns and Fiesta Music. Why do we have Hot Cross Buns here? Uh, today is a, a Cobbs Day. Okay. If you could filibuster for like 10 no, seconds, I'll, tell, okay. I'll, get, I'll get to the bottom of that one. Okay. So are you just you're just searching out a read right now? Is AJ Sorry. on the line? Okay, we got AJ on the line, so we'll do it right later. Yeah, we can do it later. It's a Cobb's day today here on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. But we go now to AJ from AJ's Pizza. Ty Cobb? No, Cobb's plural. Oh, okay. And okay. a singular B yeah. in this Cobb. Is that his some, company? Some people yeah. often started? spell it wrong. Anyway. Yeah, it's got like Ty Cobb's bread. <laughs> Don't confuse it with the Cobb's bread because Ty Cobb's bread has very surly surface. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It's very angry. What do you want? Yeah. Uh, let's go to the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline now. AJ from AJ's Pizza on East Broadway joins us on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, AJ? What's going on, gentlemen, everybody? A little sad today? That was a rough one. Wasn't great. Was not great no, last night. No, no. I, listen, I haven't asked you anything for you guys, though. Okay. Because I know everybody's talking about the players and, and Pedersen and, and every, everybody else, but isn't this Rick Tockett's biggest test? I mean, isn't this up to him? You know I mean, what? It's been roses and dandelions, right? That is a, that's a good point because this is the first bit of adversity that Rick Tockett has faced since becoming right. head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. Because remember, you can't really call last year adversity filled because right. he inherited one of the worst teams in the NHL. Like they had already gone through their adversity. They're like we're terrible. Right? It didn't. It didn't matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he, last night. You know, we played the audio of him saying egregious approximately 63 times. It's like, hey, look, a new word. Uh, and I think part of that I'm was... I'm a big egregious guy. Yeah, I think part of it was understanding, like, we're in it right now. And as a former player, he's probably gone through this before, but as a coach with this particular group, he hasn't. So that's a pretty good uh, point there. I got a question for you. Tuesday, right. JCC Sports Dinner, you were in attendance, and of course, the guest of honor there was none other than John McEnroe, legendary tennis player, but also you probably have a special affinity for him because there's not many more New York, like, dyed-in-the-wool, <laughs> bread-and-bull, dyed-in-the-wool New York guys than John McEnroe. What was it like seeing John McEnroe on Tuesday night? No, it was great. You know what? He, he was amazing, and, of course, he, he referenced his 94, and, and it was like a pin dropped. And no, no one, <laughs> I think I was the only person clapping, and everybody then definitely didn't talk to me for the rest of the night, which was fine. Which was great. He was awesome. A dog. Uh, I do want to pass this along. Tom Maynick says hello. Oh, I sat at I sat at a table with Tommy. Said that was great. Um, yeah, it was it was a great event. And, and McEnroe's he's a legend. He's an he's an icon. 
Uh, okay, so this weekend, there is a Canucks game on Sunday. You guys have happy hour all day on Sunday. And we're going to tell people, because someone actually texted in about this, if they should get the New York-style pizza or the Detroit-style pizza. And I wrote back, try the Detroit, because it's unique to you guys. Uh, it's a really cool, like super high, puffy pizza. It's very filling, so be warned when you go in. But you can check that out on Sunday. AJ, thanks for doing this today, man. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the weekend. We'll do this again next Friday. Yeah, you guys too. Sounds great. Alfred, what? Nice to have you back. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah. That's uh, AJ from AJ's Pizza on East Broadway. Ask for their Detroit style and see why many call it the best pizza in town. Dine in or order online at AJ's.pizza. Uh, so it's Ask Us Anything Friday on the Halford and Bruff show. And here's an Ask Us Anything with a pizza emoji. Are there any updates on how Phil Kessel is coming along? I know he's not a difference maker for us on the ice, but maybe it could loosen up the guys to have a positive effect in the locker room. And frankly, I wonder if that's one of the main reasons that they were exploring and continue to explore a Phil Kessel signing. I don't have any updates on it. We got Dolly Wall on at 8 o'clock. We can ask him about it. Um, so let's just wait until the hour three, until the Phil Kessel, uh, to ask Ollie Wall about Phil Kessel. Um, so table that for a lifetime, uh, for, for an hour, a lifetime, uh, safety, Mike, this is why I said lifetime, ask us anything. What item have you lost in your lifetime that you wish you could have back? Holy cow. That's, item that you've lost in your lifetime. Big one. That you wish you could have. My sports fan innocence. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're going like, I was going to actually have like a physical item recently, too. Oh, okay. what'd you lose? I had a limited edition hat from the nine o'clock gun company, and I was on a boat on That's Lake Okanagan. One. That's the one thing. Yeah, because you can't get the hat anymore. Oh, man. I, you just reminded me of something that I lost on a lake. What? I had a great... Your dignity? Yes. When I took my shirt off. <laughs> then he fell out of the boat. <laughs> no, I had a great beach chair. Like, you know one of those short ones? Yeah. With the short legs? Yep. yep. I think it was like a Tommy Bahama beach chair. I know exactly what and you're And I just about. loved it. And I still blame my buddy Keith for this. Mm-hmm. We were houseboating um, up in uh, Shoe Swap. Yep. And I said, hey, don't forget my chair. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yep. And then we left the beach. I was like, you got my chair, right? He's like, oh. <laughs> see, <laughs> see, this was always the – when you I saw this one come in from Safety Mike, and I'm like – I wonder if it's still there. This was the always the concern, was that it, it should be a big philosophical question and answer. What item have you lost in your lifetime that you wish you could have back? And it's like my innocence or like a relative or, God, like my, a parent. And then my answer was a hat. And your answer was a beach chair. I had yeah. some really expensive hockey cards. Well, they would be now if I hadn't have sold them when I was like six. Mm-hmm. So I, I regret that. Yeah, but everyone is in Did that you situation. You, you lost them. Well, I guess I didn't lose them. You yeah. just sold them at a garage sale. This is something that you lost. Like, like people have to recognize yeah, that's, that. That's tough. People that ha- have to recognize that even if they had a Gretzky rookie card, if it's even like partly partly yeah it's value damaged. goes down a lot it's 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 value goes down significantly yeah like you you almost have to take it out of the package and like immediately take care of it mm-hmm. because they will look at every element 
of that hockey card. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's an Ask Us Anything. Any white cops talk today? Yeah, we're going to have Axel Schuster on the show in about 20 minutes. Yeah, the How's that for white caps talk? White caps kick off their season later than everybody else in MLS, I might add. Uh, tomorrow, 4.30 at BC Place against Charlotte, um, who, yes, they do have a team. It's actually owned by David Tepper. This is going to be a very um, interesting season for the Vancouver Whitecaps off the pitch because the ticket sales are the most robust in franchise history since they came back in 2011. And that's obviously because of something the Whitecaps have done. Yeah, no question. It has nothing to do with the Lionel Messi factor. Nothing at all. No. like So, for example, um, general admission tickets for Saturday are sold out. Mm-hmm. They're anticipating a crowd of upwards of 25,000. They're going to open the upper bowl, I believe, for four regular season matches wow. this yeah. year, which hasn't been done. One of them is obviously the Inter-Miami match. Uh, all I know is that the sales have been really robust. Like, not just, okay, we're doing pretty well. Like, the bump that you would expect to get from Inter Miami was there, but there's also, I mean, they had a decent year last year. They were a playoff bound team. They got to have a playoff game on, at home. I don't know if you remember, but while not successful, it was certainly fireworks filled to the point where Vanny Sartini will not be on the sideline for this Charlotte <laughs> oh, match on yeah. Saturday, including a, mo- a series of other matches. So yeah, we will talk some white caps coming up. Okay. Here's a question that came into the Dunbar lumber text line. Everyone is talking about the noise affecting Pedersen. What happens when he becomes one of the highest paid players in the league and then goes through stretches of play like this? The noise is going to get quite loud in those moments, I feel. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think the Canucks have to... I mean, I guess clearly they've done their research on whether or not they want to resign him. And I imagine they've asked all those questions, but the two I would ask the most, I suppose, were, do you truly want to be here? Mm-hmm. Because I don't know how many people out there have done a, okay, fine. I'll accept this job situation. I'm in one right now. <laughs> And then they get to the job. Maybe there's something about the job that's compelling. Uh, Fiesta either Friday. Fiesta yeah. Friday the or buns, the yeah. money is good or you didn't really have any other significantly better options out there for mm-hmm. you. And you're like, okay, I can probably talk myself into this job. How many of those jobs really panned out? How many of those did you like really bring the passion for? And the other one would be, I suppose, like, how are you going to handle the pressure of being the highest paid player on the team and one of the highest paid players in the league? Because this will not be the last time that Pedersen faces a distraction, right? Mm-hmm. Like Even if we take it at face value, that Petey is distracted about his contract situation and that's why he's um, struggling, there's a lot of noise around him, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Is there ever any noise about star players in the playoffs? Yeah, there is. Right? I mean... I I think you're asking the wrong question, to be fair. Oh, what's the right question? The right question is, um, are you prepared to deal with this for however the length of the contract? Because there's a very good chance, a very good chance that this is Elias Pettersson. 
So who 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 are you asking? Are you prepared? Anybody. The Canucks, Anybody. even Can- Petey? Like- the Canucks, the people that question it, the people that back him, the mm-hmm. people that are anti, the people that are pro, everybody. Because I keep coming back to the same thing. Like the, re- the reality of the situation, when I said it yesterday several times, like egregious, like you may have to deal with the fact that your first-line center who's going to score 100 points is also a guy that's going to go MIA for stretches and is going to be frustrating and infuriating. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. I, I know that everyone's trying to find the magical solution here, but I keep coming back to there might not be one. That this this contract, which he's going to get here or elsewhere, is going to go to an individual that has warts and has flaws. Like, And I think that's, that's the most accurate statement of fact that you can have on this. Like, the Canucks are 100% prepared to give term and dollars – this is if it if it goes the way that we think it's going to go. Mm-hmm. This is going to be the most expensive contract in the fifty plus years of Vancouver Canucks hockey. So, um, all the guys that have their numbers retired, Smeal and Linden and the Sedins, and then all the guys on the Ring of Honor, like their 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 contracts, even Luongo's contract isn't going to come anywhere close to the Pedersen. And contract. part of that is due to just part of natural is, inflation, right? Don't get me wrong, right? Someone pointed out the the most expensive contract, and I think he's right. I didn't quite get the verification. I know it is one of the, but one of the most expensive, then the most expensive contracts in Vancouver sports history is the deal that Sharif signed here way back in the day. <laughs> right, and th- those, I mean, you never see NHL contracts stacking stacking up the NBA contracts. Now this was that was a long time, two ago. decades ago, but still, it's a weird comparison to make. What? Just that. It's not a comparison. It's just talking about the historical benchmarks of contracts. Right? Uh, here's another question. I understand Pedersen is a fantastic player, and the Canucks would get worse if they traded him, but do you think there is a way a trade could be positive the way the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade was for Winnipeg? Of course there's a way. That's a mean, bit, a bit too, it's, that a question's way. a bit too hypothetical. Yeah. I mean, I guess, and and this is this is maybe a hard line to connect here, but if the Vegas Golden Knights can be a really good team with the collection of players that they brought in and in like in their expansion year and go to the Stanley Cup final, nearly win the cup as a collection of those players, yeah, like anything can happen if you put players that were maybe. You know, like like a guy like uh, Martin Natchez, right, in, in Carolina, mm-hmm. um, who was, I don't know, people speculated that could be part of the package for Elias Pettersson. Like, he is a terrifically talented player. Sure. He is unbelievably talented. Is there more you could get out of him? Yeah, it's possible, um, right? Like, I th- I think like that who knows? I, 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 I don't want to focus too much about, on that, but no. – yeah, of course there's a way. What what if you get um a, a younger player who's just ready to graduate to the next level plus you've got cap space that you can use to address other areas of the roster. Um sure in theory, but for the most part the general rule has been that when you trade a player like Elias Pettersson, a player that has shown it many times, not just occasionally, many times that he can be an elite player in this league. Generally, it, it's not it's not a good thing for your team. So I'm assuming that that question is on based around the premise of whoever gets the best player in the trade wins the trade. Like that must be it, right? 
So you would say, like, how are you ever going to win a trade where you're giving up Pedersen the best player? And then the, the obvious uh, inference there is that you're going to get an inferior package of substandard players. Like the, But the, now the Dubois trade was interesting because you could make the argument that collectively the three forwards that the Jets got in return have outplayed and outproduced um, Dubois in, in L.A. And I think that's a fair assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's too hypothetical because the Canucks theoretically, theoretically could knock a Pedersen trade out of the park. They could fleece someone. They could get a gargantuan return that better suits them moving forward. I'm just not sure the current landscape and climate allow for it. I just don't know if there's the flexibility or the feasibility. I don't know. And then if things like first round picks are part of it, then how do you use those? Do you use them to actually draft players or do you go out and use those as currency to get the players? And do you get the right players? Everyone makes the comparison in the Matthew Kachuk uh, trade. You know, people at the time were like, that's pretty good for the flames, but it hasn't panned out that way. Mm -hmm. They just kind of identified the wrong key player in Jonathan Huberto. Um, We've got some more Elliot Friedman audio to play from the 32 Thoughts podcast. And, um, and we already played a little bit, but Laddie's gone through the rest of it. And this tidbit is very interesting. Teams know when a player wants or doesn't want to be there. I think in this particular case, the Canucks want more clarity i i it, it it's Pedersen is is a really interesting guy in the sense that he's very good at keeping a lot of his feelings to himself i think a lot of people like i understand that when it, the news got out that he was considering extending i think some of his teammates were really surprised because it's not what they expected so if the players feel that way, then how does the management feel? And I just think they they want it, it, what's what someone said to me that, that this one's unique in the sense that generally people have a good feel for where everybody stands by this point in the season. And the other thing too is Jeff, like we've been talking about Philly and Sealer and Walker. That's a negotiation. This hasn't even really been a negotiation because Pedersen's wanted to wait, which makes this even more unique. So if you missed it there, um, it was Elliot saying when the news came out that PD was considering that extension, players on the Canucks were surprised by that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I went to press row the other day. For the Boston game? Yeah. That was part of the gossip. That I obviously didn't bring to the show, but now that Elliot's put it out there. Now I'm putting it out there. You know, I did hear, I was like a guy, I was a total guy. What are you hearing? What are you hearing? Yeah. Give me the juicy stuff. Guys, I'm only going to be here once. Tell me everything. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a few people did mention that the players on the team were like, eh, I don't know if he's coming back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think, look, there's a l- uh-oh, this was, you gave me a look. Yeah, because this was an inevitability. You're bringing it today. I think it was a bit of naivete on the part of Pedersen to think that you could say, I'm just not going to talk about this all season and we'll address it in the off season. And 
Let my <laughs> agents deal with it. Do you I, think even his agents were like, uh, PD, this isn't going to work? They probably, well, I mean, I know, and I've talked to enough agents and I know enough agents that they're, they're basically tell the clients whatever they need to hear to keep them happy, mm-hmm. right? They'll be like, yeah, sure, we can do that. And in the background, they're like, there's no way we're going to be able to do that. But, um, <laughs> You know, you you tell the as, guy as long as we hang in there for our fee because he's going to sign somewhere, right? And then the other part of it is you always can fall back on it. Remember this because this go, stretches into all aspects of life. You can always fall back on it's like, well, the situation changed. We had the best intentions going into it, but circumstances evolved and they changed. Yeah, and that's it's a fair fair explanation as to why things aren't how I initially thought they were going to go. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happened here. Everyone was like, yeah, sure. Give him until the offseason. He wants to focus on hockey. That sounds great. Give the kid his uh, his space and his, you know, he doesn't want distractions. He plays better when there's no distractions. And hell, that might be what's playing out right now. Now there's a bunch of distractions and he's not playing well. And he could be like, see, I told you. I told you that I, would, I did better when there wasn't anything hanging over my head and I could just focus on hockey. Mm-hmm. All these things can be true. What you heard on Press Row, the trade, potential trade to Carolina. All of the stuff that we're hearing, it may all be true. And that's why the situation is complex and convoluted is because there's so many different pieces to it. Well, the players on the Canucks probably, well, there might be a few guys that are tight with PD, but there might be a lot of them that don't really talk to him about his situation and are guessing probably not as much as we are, mm-hmm. but still guessing. So hey, here, hey, oh, no, sorry, have you got one? Go ahead. I got a what we learned. This just came in from Chet in Burnaby. Hashtag WW what we learned. The Kings gave the Canucks a taste of playoff hockey last night, and they spat it back out. I think this is interesting to know because we really touched on this too briefly in the intro. Uh, the last two games in which the Canucks lost in overtime to the Penguins and then really got bombed by the Kings. Um, Pittsburgh, there was guys in Pittsburgh that called that maybe their most important and biggest win of the victory. Drew Doughty last night said that that was the most complete game that the Los Angeles Kings had played all year. Yeah, they played really well. Not in February, No, not post-All-Star break, not one of the best games they've played all year, the best game they've played all year. Why am I saying this? Two reasons. One, we are in ratchet it up season. It's March, right? I know yesterday, fake February, it, it's March. So you're going to start to see more and more performances like this. And Rick Tockett mentioned this last night. The other thing too, and I, this is almost hard for me to wrap my head around. When a team featuring Sidney Crosby and Jenny Malkin and Chris Letang come to Vancouver and scratch and claw a 4-3 overtime victory, and it's a huge win for them. Like that gives that because that tells you something. Mm-hmm. It tells you that teams look at the Canucks and they're like, "That's a a litmus test for us. That's a raising of the bar game. It's a hard thing to think about because you know I think as Canucks fans we're kind of trained and conditioned not to be a measuring stick for anybody else. We're often trying to reach for the measuring stick, but when the when, you know it's like, like how can we get there? But when Pittsburgh flies out west and starts its trip against the first-place team in the NHL, like that's a big deal for them. And that's why Tockett had been trying to prepare his team for things to get harder, Yeah, not just in the playoffs, but before the playoffs, as the desperation levels of teams ramps up. We mentioned this earlier in the show. The Canucks <laughs> gave up 10 goals to a desperate team in the Minnesota Wild. They had one of their poorest performance of the season against a desperate team in Seattle. Halford mentioned 
the Pittsburgh game. He also mentioned last night's game. Yeah. An LA Kings team that wasn't playing well. Choked the life out of the Canucks last night. Yeah. Like that was it. That was as close to a boa constrictor mm-hmm. suffocating type. Like they had no space to do anything last night. Now the, the concerning part is that they did not find a solution. They didn't solve the Rubik's Cube during the game. Like they did against the Bruins. Yeah. They got a goal at the start of the third period. And then um, and you know what was concerning is they kind of became unglued by that penalty that led to the three one goal. Mm-hmm. There was a collective in the in the crowd, you mentioned it. There was a ref you suck chant, which is fine. It's a crowd. You can't control the crowd. But you could see the talk it was visibly annoyed. Mm-hmm. And who was it? Off the- Ian Cole thought the puck was going to get dumped into the corner by who Kopitar. Took the, who took the penalty? I can't even remember. Who took the penalty? I don't remember off the top of their head. I should have had this at the ready. Anyway, there was visible frustration on the march to the bench. I can't remember if it was Zadora or not. But point being, um, there was there are some concerning moments that go on here when the stakes are raised. Because this is more indicative of what the playoffs are going to look like than the first 50 games of the regular season. So coming up next for the Vancouver Canucks, Sunday in Anaheim, Tuesday in Los Angeles against the Kings, so there's a rematch there. And then Thursday, another team that's been struggling a little bit, although they've had a few wins here and there, the Vegas Golden Knights in Vegas, which is never an easy matchup for the Vancouver Canucks. And then it's the trade deadline. It's Philip Hironik that took the penalty okay. on Fiala, by the way. I just wanted to get that in there. Good. Arizona omissions. We should do one of those it, at the end of the show. In real no, time. that would be like half an hour. <laughs> yeah, we don't uh, have the bandwidth for that. So we're going to take a break from the Canucks talk just for a bit, and we're going to talk to Axel Schuster, sporting director for the Vancouver Whitecaps, who opened their season Saturday at BC Place against their hated rivals from, check notes, Charlotte. Charlotte. Um, yeah, it's weird. The MLS season is a little bit odd because they clearly want to get a few messy games in there just to remind people, like, hey, the MLS has started. <laughs> uh, so it started, but the Whitecaps still haven't played a game yet. We'll talk to Axel coming up next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in Hour 2 of the program. Uh, Hour 2 is brought to you by Primetime Craft Beer. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste, Primetime is full flavor without compromise. No, no! No compromise here. You can get some of the liquor store near you, or you can visit the brewery to see how it's made. Um, We've mentioned throughout the show that today, or tomorrow, sorry, is Cobb's Donation Day. Get it? Why did you yell at me there? 
Donation. D-O-U-G-H. Donation. Oh, you should be like, Doe Nation Day. I, I thought I did that. Doe No, nation. you hit the nation, too. You just kind of yelled, Donation! I'm like, is it is Doe the part of it? He's calling it cheap. Cobbs <laughs> is a bakery. Right. Bakeries dabble in Doe. D-O-U-G-H. Mm-hmm. Doe is also uh, a term for money. Yeah. So you're donating tomorrow, March 2nd. Uh, $2 from every six-pack of hot cross buns sold is donated to a local they call them a six-pack? Yeah, they do, actually. I'm just going down to Cobbs, pick pick me up a sixer. He'll give you one of those six-packs of hot cross buns, eh? Are you drinking primetime whilst eating? Yeah. Hot cross buns? Yeah, yeah, there's six of each. Donation day. Uh, It's donated to a local charity in your community. Their target is to donate over $500,000 to over 100 charities across Canada. The hot cross buns come in three flavors, traditional fruit, apple, cinnamon, and cranberry orange, of which Andy has eaten seven. (laughs) Andy, can I get a one-word review of the cranberry orange hot cross buns? Delicious. There you go. Cobbs bakes uh, bread fresh in-house all day, every day. And when the doors close, all the leftover baked goods are donated to local charities. The next morning, they start fresh. So go to a Cobbs tomorrow, March 2nd, for donation day. Speaking of March 2nd, tomorrow, March 2nd, is also the start of the Vancouver Whitecaps season. A 4.30 kickoff at BC Place against Charlotte. It's going to be a very jam-packed crowd at BC Place. Joining us now, sporting director of those Whitecaps, Axel Schuster, here on the Halford & Breff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Axel. How are you? Good morning. I'm very good, and I just got hungry while I was listening to you. I would oh, offer yeah. you a hot cross bun, but Andy ate all of them. So, well, I, But if you go tomorrow to any of the Cobbs locations across the Lower Mainland, they are available. Pick yourself up a sixer. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, Okay, we're going to focus here on the Caps. So tomorrow, the regular season begins, which means it's the end of the regular season. So prior to the preseason, uh, you were speaking with J.J. Adams of the province, and he asked you if this year's Whitecaps were better than the team that finished 2023. Your reply was, uh, at the end of the preseason, I am very optimistic that my answer will be yes. So now that we're at the end of the preseason, is your answer yes? Yeah, my answer is yes. Uh, JJ actually asked me uh, a few days ago again. So um, so my answer is yes, if you have all our pieces on the pitch, if you have all our players together. And luckily this week, uh, a lot of the uh, uh, lately uh, injured players returned. So I would say um, for tomorrow, yes. Now, I want to ask you about Richie Larea because when he joined the team last year, it was to great fanfare. It was a Canadian international, uh, very talented player, and it was thought to be one of those transfer market pickups that was going to help for the playoffs. Uh, Richie, no longer a member of the club. It was kind of convoluted as to what happened in the offseason. Can you give our listeners uh, a brief explanation as to what happened and why Richie is no longer with the Whitecaps? I would say... Uh, at the end, the main reason why he's not any longer with the Whitecaps uh, was that we fully trust into Ali Ahmed. And um, we we don't want to share too much with Charlotte already, but we have changed our approach a little bit this year. Uh, you could also uh, already see that in the Champions League games, um, we play with three forwards instead of two. And for that reason, we have one position less in the midfield because Ali Ahmed is a natural wide player. And uh, was having such a, um, I would say, a fascinating 
uh, young Canadian prospect in our roles that just who just turned into a national team player. We don't want to block his development, and uh, and he will grab the spot on the right wide side. So now there was no reason for us to spend a huge amount of of cap space into another player who is also Canadian national team player, and to have both on the same position. And that's literally at the end what what it came down to. Um, we were always in contact with, with Richie, but while we were developing our team in the preseason, we made decisions on, on lineup and how the team should and will look like this season. And then it became very clear that with one spot less in the midfield, there's one spot less and one player has to move uh, out or in another position, and that's Ali in the white. Uh, how is Ali feeling? Because I know he's missed a large chunk of the preseason with an injury. Yeah, he's one of those uh, who luckily returned. He actually had uh, not a big thing, and um, his his growing problems that he had for a long time have been a little bit worse after the after the off season. And there is a very very um, common and uh, um, very often done uh, surgery for that. And he has done this. This surgery normally means that for four weeks you cannot do full sprint and and you cannot train full. And after that, you never have problems with your groins again. And so he returned after the four weeks. He's full the whole week, and he had zero issues with his groins. So I think he will return even stronger now. And let's see. <laughs> I would say the medical team has said he is an option for tomorrow. Let's see what Randy makes out of it. We're speaking to Axel Schuster, Whitecaps Sporting Director, here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, a big-picture question for you, Axel. This is a season in which uh, Lionel Messi is scheduled to come to BC Place. The season tickets, I've mentioned a couple times, are at their highest since the team joined MLS. You guys are coming off a good campaign in which you got to go to the playoffs. I know this is a big, nebulous question, but how big, how important is this particular season for the Vancouver Whitecaps? I, I don't think that it was uh, necessary for Messi to come um, to make the season very big and important for us because all of it started already long before we even knew that he came. Um, we had an amazing game in front of 30,000. We opened up the Upper Bowl the first time in MLS history. And we, we, we were feeling this support. And we were feeling also this special vibe in the stadium. And we all said, look, we want to have that more often. And we want to continue to, to develop and to have a better team this year and to compete right from the beginning on, on the level where we have been at the end of the last season, uh, where, we, where we have been uh, within the top four. And, and so we were all ready for this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also have to say a lot of our fans have been all ready for this because we had already sold 2,000 new and additional seasonal tickets before even the schedule came out. Um, then I would say having the messy game um, maybe gave us a little bit of an at- additional attention and also maybe was a little bit of an additional convincing argument for people to return who had seasonal tickets in the past and not for the last years. So all of this is, is uh, a little bit of a turbo maybe on, on what we are doing here. But um, more important, we are not playing against Messi tomorrow. We're playing against Charlotte. It's our home opener. And we have already more than 28,000 tickets out again. So the upper bowl is open. We need it also. And um, we, we hope that tomorrow the, we have again the 30,000 that we had in the last game. And we kick off the season in an amazing way. 
So this has got to be an interesting um, perspective for you because uh, coming from somewhere where there isn't this <laughs> traveling road show and sideshow where the entire league is waiting for it. Like, I mean, that's not a con. This doesn't happen in the Bundesliga or the Premier League or La Liga or anything. But in MLS, I mean, the messy game is a big signature event. And we have people texting into our show constantly asking in February, is Messi going to play in May? How do you go about fielding those kind of questions from ticket holders and media and everyone else, knowing that there's two months and so many things can happen leading up to that, but at the same time, understanding that this is a big signature moment on the calendar. Look, there are, there are two perspectives on that. And, and one little thing I want to say before, it's not 100% accurate that you don't have similar scenarios in other leagues. I think if, when Barcelona or Real Madrid go to their away games, the stadiums are always sold out, what is not normal for the uh, normal other home games. Okay. It's a little bit the same with Bayern Munich in Germany. I have had a lot of games against them, and our stadium was always sold out. So um, said that, um, how do we approach it? I can tell you how we approach it. From the sporting side, it's, uh, uh, it's a challenging game. We want to make three points, and we want to win against them, and it's <laughs> more or less a game like everyone, every other as well, and we have to prepare very well, and we also want to show a very good performance on that day, knowing that so many people show up. From the club perspective, I think this, what I just said, is also true, because if so many people come, they are soccer interested, and they are potential ticket buyers also for other games, and we want to make this game like a wonderful experience for everyone, and everyone should think after the game, wow, um, nice that Messi was there, but the Whitecaps, they were really good, and that was an amazing day, and we want to come back again. That's literally how we want to approach it. So the thing I think a lot of people are worried about is what just happened in Hong Kong with Messi being, if not advertised by the club as the main attraction, everyone just kind of like knew it. And then the fans show up. They're expecting to see Messi. Yeah, they want a good performance from the local side, but they want to see one of the greatest players, or arguably the greatest player in soccer history. They want to see him in person. They want to see him play. Do you have conversations with the league or even Inter-Miami, or has the league had conversations with other clubs about whether or not Messi's going to play all these games? Because... You know, I hear what you're saying, Axel, but if 60,000 people show up to BC Place expecting to see Messi and you guys win 10 nothing, um, but Messi doesn't play, people are still going to be like, I was told that Messi was going to play. So how do you guys handle that from a club perspective? Are there any guarantees that you can give for people that are going to shell out big money to see Messi that he is definitely going to play? There are obviously no guarantees for that. Um, but I would say, first of all, I, I would never compare the Hong Kong scenario with a, with a league game. Miami wants to win the league this year. That's how, why they all do this investment and they need every point for it. So it's not a comparable scenario to an exhibition game where at the end for the club, it doesn't really change the world if he's playing or not. Um, playing playing uh, against a league rival and is it is about three points um, is a totally different scenario. We have seen Messi last year playing in an important game on turf, 
um, also. So it's not that he's not playing on turf. Also, to to avoid this question that I get asked very often, he has already played a game on turf in this league. So long story short, if at the end somebody's injured, we cannot change that. But <laughs> right now, uh, I don't think see see any reason, and there's also no chatter around or some discussions around that he maybe not play this game. Right now, we 100% expect him to play this game. You mentioned the investment that Inter Miami's put into the club. And yeah, it's Messi, it's Suarez, it's Jordi Alba, it's everyone else. It's, it's a lot of capital that they've pumped in. On that subject, the MLS transfer window is open until late April. Uh, what are some of the areas of your squad that you'd like to improve or add to? Look, we, we feel really confident with our squad. And um, um, we, we also... There's also a scenario where we maybe keep something open uh, for the secondary window to see how things uh, develop over the over the next time in the first half of the season. But um, as you asked me before, uh, we think this team is stronger than the team of last year. I think we have some very good and interesting additions, um, some veterans players in the league that have performed over many years now. And we have still spot open and also some cap space. So said that, if something comes our way that we think that will be very helpful and would be a great addition and even can strengthen us somewhere, uh, and if it is only in depth, we will do this. But we are not in a situation where we need urgently a player. Um, and you also maybe, not maybe, it is also sometimes better you have some reserve if a major injury happens or something like that. To, to be able to react to it, um, said so that um, we keep the eyes open. We are working in the market, and um, I I will not say no one's coming, but I will I want to send out a message: no one is needed urgently to to start the season well. Uh, the season starts tomorrow. Reminder: it's a 4:30 kickoff at BC Place. It is the Vancouver Whitecaps taking on Charlotte in the season opener. Axel, thank you very much for doing this today. We really appreciate it. Best of luck with the start of the season. Hopefully the Whitecaps get off to a good start, and we'll do this again uh, in the not-too-distant future. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thanks for coming on. That's Axel Schuster, Whitecaps Sporting Director here on the Halford & Breath Show on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, it's a tough situation for him. He can't make any guarantees on behalf of Inter-Miami, but um, and I know he's going to have the attitude of like, well, we can't control that, so we're just going to control what we can control. But I do actually wonder... Um, if there are going to be any scenarios this season where there's going to be a sold out stadium stadium waiting for Messi, and I mean, you don't have to wonder he doesn't play. It's going to happen. He's, like, look, he, is he going to rest? Here comes, any of here comes, the here comes another look. look. Oh my god, you mean business today? Look, he is going to be 37 mm-hmm. in June. He has uh, a, not a secondary career, but an international career that is still going. He is still a prominent member of the Argentinian national team, which I'm going to be dead honest right now, probably his priority over into Miami is trying mm, to achieve. Yeah. Really? They just won the World Cup. Oh, yeah, even more reason to continue the legacy. He's still playing. He didn't retire after the World Cup. Okay. I'm, look. I'll take you for your word on it. Here, here's the thing. Um, in terms of glory for... 
Lionel Messi and uh, legacy, and, and which he's already carved out, mm-hmm. um, adding to his Argentinian national team career trophy case is far more important than getting a community charity shield or whatever the, the MLS champion gets at the end of the regular season. Like, I know that Inter-Miami wants to win the league, but... But there's potential for serious blowback in a league like MLS where... We haven't seen a player. We've seen big-name players come through, but nothing like this. There's potential blowback for the dynamic that's at play. It's yeah. a dangerous precedent that's mm-hmm. going on right now. Like, if he if he suffers a serious injury and then he just can't play in Vancouver, then you're just kind of like, well, that's bad luck. Connor that, Bedard. That, that, exactly. That's sports. There's nothing you can do about it. But I'm talking about the schedule uh, has become hard for Lenal. <laughs> and Don't do that he's he's a, he's a little he's a little Lenny Lenny Messi yeah, Lenny is better. Uh, he's a little nicked up, or as as you would say in in football, he's he's picked up a few knocks along the way. Yeah, so knocks. he's just gonna he's not gonna play, and he's gonna sit there on the bench. And and I'm sorry to break it to you, but Inter Miami probably looks at the Vancouver game and it goes. There's a game that's not important to us. Chief rival Vancouver, who yeah, we've never yeah. played before. But meanwhile, sixty thousand people would have shown up to see, and with all due respect to Axel Schuster, uh, not Richie Larea. Well, I, and he's not there anyway. But right. no, no, no. But <laughs> yeah, do you know, yeah, yeah. Do you know what, what I mean? Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. But like, I, yeah. But I mean, I think that I've makes said a this point, from the right? start, like, though. But I've said this from the start. I, this it, it's a, it's a very real possibility because of. A variety of factors. One, he's 37. Two, the MLS schedule is tough. Bookending the trip to Vancouver are games on May 18th and May 29th. So that's three games, three matches in an 11-day span where you go Miami, Vancouver, Miami. It's a lot of travel. It's a lot of flying. Mm -hmm. It's a short period of time. You can't bank on these sorts of things, much like in the National Hockey League, people bought tickets to see Connor Bedard's first game in Vancouver, and then it just didn't work out. And it sucks, and it sucks for everybody involved. You you think Connor Bedard was upset about not being able to play in Vancouver? Absolutely. But there would be a difference between Messi being legit hurt and Messi being held out of a game. There for would fatigue. be. There would be. That that would be the crowd was like, well, that's bad luck versus booing the whole game. But I mean, I guess the the argument is. If you're going to give him matches off, which is fair because, you know, footballers, not everyone plays, especially attackers, play every minute of every Mm. single match. Right. There are going to be some matches off. Do you think they're going to have to address this at some point? I think it's crazy that they're being marketed as the Globetrotters. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Do you think they're going to have to address this? Have they addressed any soccer fans out there? Have they addressed it? Well, Hong Kong happened. Right, but it got chalked up to being well. It's an exhibition exhibition match, and nobody's guaranteed anything in life. Like, if you're the commissioner, aren't you having these conversations with Inter Miami? Like, we can't have this, man. I don't know what the conversation is, though. Do you know what the gate for like the the potential for you know uh, for sixty thousand people uh, to show up at BC Place and Messi? Um, to not play, like the blowback for the Whitecaps what, on that would be huge. What What's the conversation with the, the commissioner to David Beckham and the ownership group at Inter-Miami going to look like? What would it be? You can't force them to play Messi every away match because mm-hmm. it's a traveling road show. That's not feasible. Yeah, I know. It's just not. 
I understand the risk, inherent risk of having 60,000 people. I mean, and hey, let's not get this twisted. There are other games and other matches with other MLS Yeah, cities. we're not just talking about Vancouver. Yeah. We're even talking about uh, Inter-Miami season ticket holders at home games, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I, so- I, bet, I bet the Inter, uh, Inter-Miami season ticket base grew a little bit, or tickets for their games are a little higher on the secondary market now. Anecdotally, I went on Fanatics to try and buy a hat the other day. And I didn't realize that they were in charge of all the MLS stuff. There is not a single piece of Inter-Miami paraphernalia that you can buy. I mean, you can buy the ugly stuff, but they've got some actually fairly nice stuff. <laughs> it's all sold out. Well done. It's all sold out. It's, it, they are, it's, it is a marketing phenomenon, right? Messi yep. has transcended just footballing. He's got ownership stake in the Apple TV deal. Yeah, He's got Adidas money coming through. But that's why I'm saying you know, the conversations with the commissioner could be a little bit different because of the obligation that Messi has to the league overall, which he has taken on, Yeah, I if just... not contractually, morally, I guess you could say. Um, listen, if Rick Dollywall didn't show up to the Halford and Bruff show on a Friday and people were expecting to hear Rick Dollywall, 60,000 listeners, wait, I don't have that many, uh, people would be upset. But fortunately, Rick Dollywell is going to join the Halford and Bruff show next on Sportsnet 650.